This episode is brought to you by Skillshare, which is an online platform where you can learn just about anything, new skills in particular. That's right. Whether you're interested in creative things like photography, design, illustration, editing, or more concrete skills, things like marketing, building a business, even accounting and bookkeeping. Skillshare has chapterized, digestible classes that make it easy to learn any skill that you're interested in. What I like is they have a mix of both physical skill sets, like the Leather Crafting Basics class, which I took by Robin Fitzsimmons, and then also digital classes that teach you new software and stuff like that. I took the Leathercraft Basics because I was getting into DIY leather projects, and I just wanted a, an overview that told me what sort of tools I would need and just show me the basics and give me a sense of the terminology. The class was super educational. It fit right into my schedule, and I'm still using the things that I learned years ago today. Know that you're getting quality instructional resources on Skillshare. And right now, if you go to Skillshare.com forward slash Modern Maker, for our listeners, Skillshare is offering two months of their premium membership for free. Go there, check out some courses, and find what connects with you. Really, there is a Skillshare course for just about anything you want to learn. That's two free months of premium membership at Skillshare.com slash Modern Maker. Hello and welcome to the Modern Maker Podcast for Thursday, June 4th, 2020, otherwise known as National Tri-Tip Day. No way. No, Ooh. there's actually no way because Tri-Tip is not that common. <laughs> tri-Tip is regional, so it can't hey, be the national On this side anything. of the Mississippi it is. All right, really? it's not really that. I just, Mike was talking about Tri-Tip before we started and I wanted to see how excited I could you get You got really that. close, yeah. He's not, a, he's not a gullible guy. I'm not. Well, it just doesn't make sense. It's a regional cut. And so it's not going to be the national day of anything. What is it like this side of Colorado? Or I think something so. It's like a that? West Coast thing. Am I wrong, Ben? I think it's west of Texas. So I you had Texas. never had a tri-tip growing up? Not only like? had I never had, I had never heard of it. Also, had never gone to a grocery store that carries them. There's Bam. one back home in Oklahoma City that I know of that's got tri-tips regularly, but it's it's just not common. And for those that don't know, tri-tip is the official meal of Maker right. Ranch. It's a cut of beef similar to brisket, but a lot thicker. Yeah, so it's basically like a brisket with a sirloin a tip on the top of it. So it's almost like two cuts in one. But anyways, I cooked yeah. a good one today, fellas. I'm not even <laughs> not even trying to flex. Walk us through it, Mike. Walk us I know, through it. It seems like I said, hey, Chris, you think you could maybe lob me one about tri-tip so I could just it's knock like it a- out of the park or something? It's like a late night show where I'm like letting you do your set and just like feeding you that's the questions. <laughs> so I heard you had an interesting uh, experience at an airport recently. Yeah, Mike. that's right, Jimmy. Let me tell you more. No. <laughs> well, tell us about that tri-tip. So the secret that made this tri-tip so spectacular was just the level of commitment. <laughs> I read online, set the grill to 450 and cook it for however many minutes on one side and however many minutes on the other. And I did not falter from the plans mm. and it just worked. There's something to a good set of plans, I guess. That's what you're running down, Chris. There, there should be a picture That's, of a, a, st- or a tri-tip on a grill and just a guy just <laughs> sitting, sitting idly by and it just says perseverance. There you go. That yeah, it's your- like trust the process. That's yeah. what that is. <laughs> but no, it was one of those things where I just followed the directions and it worked. So maybe more there's more you. lessons like that that I can find. Because normally yeah. I'm somebody that just takes the directions and throws them away. So Not this time. Not when it comes maybe to... Maybe I'm becoming an adult. There you go. All right, what else is going on? 
untried bus tip progress related. is coming along. I can tell you that much. Not to hog the mic or anything. Please. Yeah, what but you got not going too on? much different. I was going to say not too much different other than last week. Tiling, tiling is complete. And so now it's on to building the, the sink vanity and then figuring out all of the rest of the pieces. I've got my like RV toilet already shipped, all my mm. shower and fixtures. So it's going to be a lot of installation. Did you do the grout yet? No, I haven't done the grout. So so those who listened last week, I think I told you guys how I was tiling everything with that four by four square tile. Yeah. And my game plan was to do the entire room, like every wall and just basically leave the the interior roof of the bus exposed, painted white. But after I did the floor and one wall, and that took about four days, which granted it was the complicated wall because it had the window built in and everything like that. So yeah, you know, one wall is good enough. That was basically it. I was like, I think one and done. No, <laughs> it just, it took a lot longer than I expected, but I just had a moment of clarity where I realized I was overshooting. I've got this room in the bus that's not perfectly square because nothing in the bus is even square to reference off of. And so I've got this perfectly square tile that I'm trying to put into a perfectly square grid mm-hmm. and have every corner of the tiles meet up with every grout line consistent. And after I did the floor and one wall and realized how tough it was to get the one wall and the floor to where all of those lines were perfect. Yeah, I'm not signing up for another three walls. So I decided to go another route and I just used some they sell four by eight sheets of PVC sheeting. Mm-hmm. And so the same way I was able to scribe all of my other uh, other walls to the bus, I'll be able to scribe and line the rest of the interior bathroom walls with that PVC sheeting. Mm. And it's still going to look clean. It's pretty standard for RVs. So a nice little adjustment on the fly. The other nice thing about that detail is that I'm sure you're going to get a bunch of questions about, oh, well, how's that tile going to hold up against you know the flex if you drive the bus and all those things? You're going to get oh yeah, you're going to get a whole bunch of people that think that they're the first person to think of that and they're all going to tell you how it's going to crack and it probably won't honestly though because you have so many layers of sheet goods that have that the wall's already so built up with the plywood that i think you're exactly. going to have pretty good rigidity there and the walls are also aren't that big they're pretty small yeah. so i think you're going to be fine also thin set these days and grout are so much better than what they used to be they all have like yeah. a little bit more flex and synthetic materials in them but I still think it's always cool when you're doing something where you haven't done before and it's not proven out to the same way like home improvement stuff has because just, you know, people aren't building thousands of bathrooms and buses every year like the way <laughs> the way they are with homes. So having two different details and then sort of talking about the time difference. So you can go this way if you really want to look a certain way or you can go kind of this if you're in a hurry and you just want to get something done that works. Exactly. And it's one of those common concerns that I've been getting over and over the same way people are asking if the tile is going to crack. And that's just about the weight of all of the materials stacked on top Mm. of each other. And as I go through box and box after tile, I do sort of like realize like, oh, this is all adding up. I thought it would be one or two bags of mortar, but it ended up being about four. And I'm already on bag, however many of the thin set. And so you're right. The materials add up. Definitely the time adds up. And I don't want to make it something where like I'm making uh, like an excuse for using the PVC. But it's just a thing where I think I saved myself a whole world of headaches. And Mm -hmm. so I'm going to take that as a little win of itself. And just know that next time I want to do a project similar, unless we can figure out a way of making a meshed back 12 inch by 12 inch or two foot by two foot sheet of these square tiles, I need to do it in a good square room where everything's able to be controlled a little bit better. 
have we, I don't, this is backing up a bit. Have we talked about what is your plan for the bus after it's all done? That I'm going to live in it. That's what I'm going to say, but I got to keep it all under wraps Okay. because, uh, because yeah, I just haven't released things yet, but okay. no, I'm going to live in the bus for a certain amount of time. It's going to be home base while oh, I'm renovating okay, a home. Okay, okay. Gotcha. That yep. makes sense. But do you, you do plan on driving it around? Yeah. So the game plan is without divulging too much, it'll be where I stay while I'm renovating a house in the future. Right. And then once that house is renovated, it'll just act as sort of the, the guest house. Whenever people are over, okay. that's always an option for them to stay in there. And whenever I want to tra- take road trips, I'm always going to keep it sort of like road ready and maintained that way. Yeah. I could do who knows, like a maker world tour. Nice. Mike's well, traveling the country. But that's definitely not on the list. It's a down the line type of thing. Trip. I could uh, no. go down through Mexico, <laughs> hit South America, up to Nova turn, Scotia. That could turn disastrous <laughs> real yeah. quick. No way, man. El Reno, it's one of their own. <laughs> oh, yeah, there we go. Stay El, tuned where I turn El the El Reno, Reno bus into a ship next week on Modern Builds. Yeah, you get through that Panama Canal. You'd be in Europe in no time. Gotcha. Easy. And you got the... The hot water heater you already got, right? And is it, it's all electric? No. So I'm, I'm running one of those goal zero from Yeti. They're basically like an electric inverter battery all in one unit. And that's going to do all of the lights and all of the plugs, but I've got a propane water heater and cooktop. So those two can, they can be super off grid where everything else is still reliant on the goal zero, but that thing's going to hold so much, so much of a charge that that could run the bus even with the mini fridge that I'll have on it, that's the one thing I forgot to say. Even with the mini fridge on the Goal Zero, it'll run for like three weeks. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. The, those Goal Zero, you got the 3000. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Those things are ridiculous. I would, I would use them all day on the construction site and barely crack like five to 10% off of it. Yeah. I've been using it while I'm tiling. I'm running the tile saw off of it and it's, it's at like, like 99%. Yeah. Yeah. It's at 99% charge and I've been using it for two days. But yeah, it's a thing where it's got 3,000 watt hours of energy basically stored inside of it. And a LED bulb nowadays takes like four or six watts or something like that. So it's just, it's just perfect. Yeah. Chris, what do you got going on? Man, I tell you what, I, I feel bad because I'm not bringing a lot to the table here, but like I'm still just in full edit mode and now writing the documents and doing all the dimensional drawings for the plans and all that stuff. So like, it's been nothing new. It's just okay, been like so, computer work for a week straight. So here's my status check. Last week, I asked you where you were at in terms of steam. Right. You know, where are you at now? If last oh. week you were at a seven, this week you're where? I'm like motivated by the finish line very much at this point. Yeah. So like I, I've been like chugging along pretty hard. And like, I would say like, I don't think I've taken a day off in, in a couple of weeks. And I've been working like, you know, 10 to 12 hours a day at least to get this stuff done. Every chapter is edited. All of the like appendix stuff is edited. At least like the, like, it's not even a rough draft. It would be like the first finished export, I guess you'd call it, where like, now you're just going to look at it and be like, what things did I miss or do I need to add or change or whatever? I've got my notes. So my plan is that hopefully tomorrow, like I think if I dedicate like 10 hours to it tomorrow, I can go through all of the videos and make those little changes and re-export. I've got the documents pretty much written up. So like everything is... You know how like when you're working on a project, like it's real easy to get to like 80% done and then it's really hard to get the last 20% done. Yep. I feel like I've been on that last 20% for the past like 
three or four days and I've still been plugging away, which makes me feel really good and confident because it makes me feel like, oh no, I'm going a hundred percent on this. Like I'm not just like hitting that wall at around 80%. So definitely inspired or like motivated by the finish line, which is going to be in the next couple of days, at least in terms of like the plan part. Then the funny part is like, I'm going to be like, oh sweet, done. I'm like, oh wait, no, I still have to do a whole YouTube video. Oh no. Yeah. Cause yeah. I mean the YouTube yeah, video is going like to promote totally the build. Video. Right, exactly. So maybe I'll take a couple of days off and like try to do something for a build just because I haven't cut a piece of wood now in like three weeks probably. So I got to I gotta get back to work and get a change of pace. But yep, that's pretty much it. Yeah, for me, I was supposed to be doing a whole lot of editing. I have a couple projects that are either completely finished. I have two projects that are completely finished that I haven't edited and the table, the paver system, and then a couple other projects that are about three quarters of the way done. But I kind of, I don't know, I was kind of just took this weekend off a little bit to, yeah, I guess it would be perfectly clear. It was like just all the the stuff that was going on with the the sort of George Floyd thing and the protest was just, and and things normally don't get me too down, but it just felt like such a massive depressing bummer. And it probably was spending a little too much time just sort of reading about it, checking Twitter and all that stuff. And then I sort of went through the thing of like when I saw the other night that the the some of the looting and destruction was, you know, not as bad as what I always saw during like the Rodney King riot, but certainly, you know, significant. I, you know, I was like, oh, well, you know, I guess I can post about this because this is something in my wheelhouse, you know. I don't, right. I'm not an expert on race and politics and all these things but i'm good at building things i don't mind helping things might feel good just to like you know help sweep up and build something and so i made a post and went to bed and i said hey you know if anyone had any businesses that are been damaged or anyone just needs help sort of building anything let me let me know me and my team will will help and by team i mean (laughs) jesse so it's interesting because you know the 90% of the responses were, you know, incredibly positive. I think people are are feeling kind of helpless and things like this. And I think that idea of some sort of physical help feels real, kind of like the way making masks did with uh, COVID. But, you know, then there's a few trolls, obviously, there always are. But about like maybe like 5 to 8% of the posts, I wouldn't say that they were angry, but they were kind of severe. And they were sort of saying, hey, you know, why are you just talking about the looting and the the damage and not talking about like the the issue that uh that caused it and you know at first I was just like all right here's why you never post you know anything you can't right. win you can't make anyone happy. so it's like my first reaction was honestly like a little bit defensive and I was like all right do I just ignore it and stuff so but then I was thinking and I was like you know the people they weren't like excoriating me. They weren't calling me names. They were just like asking why. And I was like, all right, it's, you know, and, and some people are saying that they were disappointed in me. And I was like, huh, that, that, that feels weird. Like, don't, don't, you know, like I'm a pretty progressive person. But then I was thinking, oh, if they only follow me on Instagram, that's all they know. Cause I never right. post about anything. Maybe, you know, they probably don't listen to the podcast or, have seen my sort of TED talks or or stuff like that that would probably paint a, a bigger 
a bigger picture. And I was like, yeah, I guess I didn't give much context to it. So I sort of thought like, you know, took a breath and didn't want to respond. But I was thinking like, what the hell? It's not like, I think I was still thinking in the very much like the COVID mindset where like, let the experts talk. I have no idea <laughs> what this stuff is. Mm-hmm. But I was like, well, I do think that what happened was terrible. And, but I didn't really want to be just another, I guess I didn't want to be just one more influencer being like posting, you know, a Martin Luther King quote, right? many of which are amazing, or a Malcolm X quote, and then being like, okay, I did my thing and move on. And so my thinking was like, oh, I don't want to be someone that just does lip service. And so I didn't say anything, but then I presented like an offer of, of help that was seen as very neutral. Yeah, so who did you have on. reach out to you, Ben? Or did you have people reach out to you? Are you doing anything? No, I, I just thought about it. And I thought, well, the reason I didn't say anything was because I didn't want to sound basic. But in not saying anything, <laughs> that's also kind of, mm-hmm. I'm only speaking for myself. That's also, I do have opinions on it. And so I'm like, well, let me just, you know, have some coffee, take a breath and and just think about it from my words. I didn't want to use anyone else's words. I didn't want to use anyone else's post. And if I'm going to do something like that, I want to do it for me in a way that feels original. Like, mm-hmm. and, and and when people originally sort of, you know, commented that, I said like, well, I don't know that much about these things. Like someone says, why don't you ever post about black issues? And I'm like, because I'm not an expert in black issues. I'm an expert in making stuff and designing. So I offered to help there. And someone uh, you know a a friend of mine sort of dm'd me and said she was like super nice she's like hey you don't have to be an expert we're just looking at this and we're we're just not sure if like people actually believe that there's a problem or not and she's like it is very superficial and it is very surface and a lot of people are just doing lip service but it is oddly reassuring when you're for for the people that are legitimately scared and frightened to see that there's actually people that never talk about anything doing this. And it's like, all right, well, you know, and again, my first reaction was a little bit defensive. Like, Mm -hmm. you can't tell me what to do. This is my post. I'm going to do it my way. All of which is still valid and true. But then I was sort of thinking like, no, I, I, I do, you know, one of the earliest memories I have of seeing something traumatic on the news was the Rodney King riots. And it was like, because there was no internet back then. It was like someone recorded that with a VHS tape, which yeah. was like, like, whoa. And it was really bad and really blatant. And then, you know, there was uh, riots after that that were that were pretty scary too. And as a, as a, I think, an early teenager at the time, it was the first time I saw something on the news that felt like really scary. Mm-hmm. So... You know, I just did a post about that and just talked about what I've seen and what I thought was terrible. And I didn't want it to be use other people's words or politics. But I also started thinking about, you know, and I think if for me, if I do something like that, I want to do it in the most Ben way possible where and, and for me, that is trying to think of like a sort of a way to make some of the people I know that follow me that might be a little bit more on the other end of the spectrum than me, not turn them away. Because I don't think that does anybody any good, but just make them think about it differently. And in some of the comments and discussions, one of the things that I found that that did prove to be a little bit effective with some of the people I was talking to was putting it in the context of like constitutional rights. 
some of the people that like to say, you know, all lives matter instead of, you know, when, when someone else posts black life matters are often the same people that are really big second amendment things. And so rather than trying to like have this like pointless conversation where one person says one phrase that they didn't invent, and then another person says another phrase that they didn't invent. And it's just this like back and forth that's happening all over social media. I was like, well, let me try to find like a little, some, some wedge room and put it, see if I can phrase it in a way that's slightly closer to things they care about. And uh, I said, well, you know, if you, if you think about it, and, and uh, Schultz and I were talking about this too, he did a really, I think a, a pretty clever little comedy rant on it. You know, the, the police are an, an aspect of the, the government of municipal government. And, you know, when they, and for this man, they took away all of his constitutional rights before he got a day in court while he was like handcuffed uh, helplessly on the ground. And, you know, that's not going to convince everybody, but it did seem to at least phrase it in a way where it wasn't like people already knowing the slogans they're going to chant. Right. And it was, it was initially hard to not be defensive and be like, okay, I, I'm not, I'm not this. Like, you know, just cause I said this, I, you know, I don't have to explain myself, which I don't, but it was also really easy to do after I, you know, spent 45 minutes in the clear head and a cup of coffee. And I had a lot of nice interactions with people sort of both in the comments and the DMs. And yeah, I guess so. It took me kind of two posts to get my feelings right and didn't get it all out on the first one. And, you know, at first, like that kind of like worries me. It's like, oh, if I talk about this, I have to really get it all right or everyone's going to jump at me and yell at me. Mm-hmm. And a couple people were were critical. But ultimately, I think the and then right after I posted the second one, I saw Jimmy DeResta make a post and some people sent me some some small businesses, particularly a lot of uh, black owned ones that were were damaged in Minnesota with some GoFundMe. So I posted those and like a lot of people donated. And I think it was because there's a lot of people feeling helpless and sad and trying to think about it as a little bit more constructive way than than just the slogans. And uh, yeah, so like, uh, you know, I donated a few hundred dollars and then, you know, I saw Bob donated a few hundred dollars and a lot of other people in our community started just donating. Didn't didn't even tell me I was just looking on the 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 GoFundMe and uh, helped build going to help sort of pay for somebody's uh, business. So it was it started off a little a little tense and awkward. I guess more awkward than tense because it's not like I am threatened by, you know, I shouldn't be threatened by any of this. And then I started seeing, you know, sort of some other people in the community that, frankly, I was surprised to see post about these things, you know, like Brad from uh, uh, Fix This, Build This. And I think everyone's like, almost everyone said some version of like, it's really hard for me to to do this. And it's it's right. weird why it's hard. And I think it's because we're all pretty savvy internet people at this time. And we almost know the, you know, not the futility, but we know how it goes. And I also think that we're all people that are used to putting out their own original work. We're not just some like Twitter news account that's like reposting memes and stories and stuff like that. And a lot of these ideas that people are sharing aren't the most original things. They're I mean, a show of solidarity isn't a showing of unique expression. And right. only what typically what all of us do is only show unique expression. 
So I think, you know, finding their own words and everyone did it a little bit differently. I thought Paul Jackman had some, some interesting thoughts and I really don't think it was political because, you know, no one was posting about who you should vote for or that. Most of it was just about compassion and concern for, for other human beings Still feels a little out of context to a bunch of uh, woodworking stuff. But if the feeling is so pervasive right now in this country where there's a lot of people that are a little bit down, I think it, it's, it's certainly not mandatory. And, you know, everyone should just do whatever they feel comfortable with. And particularly at the time and place that they feel comfortable in doing it. But, you know, it, some people turned off comments, which I, <laughs> I totally get. I actually enjoyed some lively banter uh, in in some of my comment sections. I think I I think it's safe to say I dunked on a few few people. You know, I, I think there was a lot more fear and anticipation of how awkward and how unbasic to be that was actually keeping me from saying something that is you know for for me relatively not that controversial or or crazy. For a lot of people, nothing you say will ever be enough, too, right? So, you know, when I say this, someone says, what about the children in Palestine? And right. I'm like, yeah, okay, you know, and, but I think avoiding all of that for me wasn't, it, just because something's messy and it's complicated and the comments are going to be nasty, you know, it's still, it's not like it actually cost me anything. And selfishly, I did feel better saying something than just, because the problem for me, too, is I was just thinking about it so much in my own head that I'm like, OK, if I do say something, how should I say it? How do I how do I balance all these different things that I'm thinking about and express myself in a way that's that's that is as profound as I can be, but not trying to grandstand and, you know, make it about me because right. I, I, I really don't feel that way. I don't want to, you know, try to solve anything or, or save anybody or I just am sad and I want to be helpful a little bit. And so, but it was, it was surprising to me how hard it was to find not Instagrammy sounding words for something right. so simple, right? Like, cause I think we just see so many like inspirational quotes and so much of that stuff that it just, it all sounds kind of cheesy a lot of times, or maybe I'm just too cynical. No, it's, it's totally true. Like, I mean, I think I'm hypersensitive to that kind of stuff. Like I feel awkward giving condolences to somebody about their grandma dying. If I have any fear that they might think I'm being disingenuous, which is like overly sensitive to that kind of stuff. So I totally get what you're saying about, like wanting to find a way to say it that's the Ben way to say it. Right. And if, when I post something like the fact that I don't want to come off that like cliche way or grandstanding, like you said, makes it harder to post. And so like, I need to find a way to say it my way that I think will be impactful and still, you know, speak my piece. The the thing the thing that came to me to mind to me that was kind of the tipping point was thinking about my own family's history, right? So on the Japanese side of my family, they were put in internment camps during World War II. So, you know, we were at uh war with the Japanese even though my grandparents were were born here. You know, they were born on American soil, American uh citizens. They uh, you know, every 
They were given a very short amount of time to liquidate everything that they own. Can only take a few backpacks of stuff. You, there's no storage units back then. There's no digital bank accounts. It's like whatever cash you have in a knapsack and you're thrown in these horse stalls in concentration camps. And my aunt died in one of those camps. And, you know, they were stuck there with, you know, very terrible food and conditions simply for being from not them, but because their ancestors, what their ancestors, where their ancestors were from. And it was always weird, really weird to me that they were my, you know, on the Japanese side, my dad and my grandparents are incredibly patriotic. Like there was like zero, I mean, there was, a, they were annoyed and angry, obviously. Right. And, but they're still like very patriotic and love America for all, for all the opportunities. And they had to start over from zero with like no property or resources and, and, and build themselves back up with their, with their community. Now, what the sort of blessing that they had was that they still had like a tight knit, cultural community that kind of, you know, could help out and, you know, do it as sort of a village. But I think if there was social media at that time and whether this was happening, I do think, I remember talking, I wrote a research paper about it in high school and I talked to uh, my grandma. I was just like, you know, what did that feel like? Did you hate, you know, did you hate, because I was like, you know, 16 or 17. So I just assumed they were like so angry because that's how I would be as like a young man if you know, I got thrown in a concentration camp and all my family's property taken away. And they were like, no, they just felt guilty and they felt bad because they thought everyone hated them. And certainly there was a lot of, I mean, racism back then was <laughs> pretty, <laughs> pretty, pretty severe and totally open. And I think if there was people back then, even a few people, and my grandma would talk about how a few people in the, the Jewish community were like the white people that would like reach out and just say, hey, we're sorry about this. And mm -hmm. like how that made her feel like a lot better. So when I thought about that way, it's like, oh, well, who cares who's right or who's wrong, right? If like, if I make, you know, not that I'm going to make it, that's, that sounds too, too, too personal. But if, if something makes, you know, the modern day version of my grandma just like be like, oh, you know, oh, I go to Haven or I go to WorkbenchCon and, oh, these guys, they, they care enough to post, right? Doesn't mean the end of the world of that thing. And so once I started thinking it that way, I was like, all right, ignore the sloppiness, ignore the awkward part, just do your best. You are a well-intentioned person. You, you do, you do care. You're not doing this to grandstand. Just, just trust that People will figure it out. And even if you don't get it right the first time, just be open to it and be like, okay, yeah, I'm just, you're, you know, good point. I'll make a little adjustment. And yeah, I solved all racism. So you're welcome. <laughs> Congratulations. Well done. <laughs> no, so it was, it, look, it was a lot of overthinking. It was a lot of like weird exchanges, but eh, weird times. But everyone should do exactly what they feel comfortable with and exactly what is reflective of their experiences and, you know, how, what life has led them to. Cool. But yeah, I just took a couple break, a couple days off of Instagram <laughs> as a, as a poster and a viewer, you know what I mean? Yeah. It does. It does feel like sometimes with these things, you know, like I think with like the first few weeks of, of, of COVID too, it didn't feel like I, I didn't really feel like posting a lot. It just felt like there was so much happening that it yeah. was, just an awareness time. But I also still appreciate some of the people that did post during that time and gave me a little bit of a distraction. So I think there's, there's no wrong 
way to do it. And, you know, I say whatever you're feeling the strongest about and feeling the most excited and that you can express with like enthusiasm and truth, go for it. Yeah. Shout out to the well-intentioned people of the world. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if, I mean, obviously there's oh, no if you're way to- trolling at this time, like you're Knock extra bad. Yeah. <laughs> no <laughs> if, joke. If you're, like, just, if you're <laughs> instigating just to instigate, like, and just being that sort of really trolly, like sort of devil's advocate, but really just negative, like really like just, just take a break. Like there's plenty happening. You're not needed now. I wonder if, and there's obviously no way to answer this so we could speculate because of social media, giving, you know, everybody a voice and a platform to post their opinion, does that lead to more actual action because it's like talked about so much more? Or does it lead to less actionable action because everybody just feels like, oh, I did my part, I said my thing? I think it just like reconstitute uh, what like actionable action is. Yeah. Like if the only actionable thing to do is to go out and do a thing in real life, then that's how you express it. But I guess now you got more options, right? Yeah. More things qualify as action. You, you have a, a louder, you have a bigger, uh, bigger speaker. Yeah. Yeah. I think, it, I think it really depends on the thing. I think the, I think with COVID versus, you know, this situation is, is so different. Yeah. But. I think I still think even though social media has been around for a while, I think still people are figuring out how to actually live with it. Right. Like the fact that they still call the mainstream media with (laughs) which is way smaller than Facebook. You know, was it like 20 million people watch Fox and, you know, there's a billion people on Facebook. So I still think there's like just a a weird we're in still like a weird transitional point just media wise. Yeah. It all shakes out, but I think it's like the GoFundMe's is like, that's like a new thing. Like it's yeah. like there's certain things that catch on with like viral fundraising that just sort of blow up. And I think that that can be pretty, pretty cool. Like for this guy's distillery that got uh, damaged, you know, we the I think it's at like over 60,000 now. And I think from one of his recent posts, that's more than he needs. So he's going to start funneling that money to other small businesses and I, it's easy to say that, oh, people are just posting that on social media, but I'm always surprised at how many people, and, and some people I know that don't have a lot of money, like people do really nice things and people do try to help and give emotionally, even when they're not like loaded or, or, or doing well and, and give pretty substantial amounts. So that is a, you know, a, a really nice part of humanity. So yeah, there's, there's, a, lot, there's a lot of good people. Yeah. I mean, most people are good, I would say. I've not lost faith in that. Yeah, except the ones on Reddit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we're just going to be screwed when this corona outbreak happens, man. (laughs) Round two, you mean? Yeah, man, we just got full cities where everyone's getting on the streets together. So much for for that. I mean, I I guess we'll know sooner. It's going to be real. Like, if if the case is in... Georgia and Florida don't always ready kind of give us a, a clue in about 14 days. <laughs> uh, yeah. About two be, weeks we'll know a lot, I think. Yeah. But yeah, it'll it it'll be interesting. I mean, hey. Yeah, I think the the craziest thing to me is how quickly public attention and perception can move from one thing being the most important thing to the world to the next thing. Right. And as somebody that doesn't really uh like, I don't know, involve myself too much with like 
whatever the news cycle is caring about most, mm-hmm. you know, it's just been really weird. Yeah. It is weird. Like how long ago does Tiger King feel like six years ago? Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, I'm just over here like making good progress on the bus, you know, <laughs> trying to have a, a you know, a, a good day as good or as, as uh, productive as yesterday. And meanwhile, I'm just looking at the world falling apart. It's weird. Yeah. yeah. I you guess. know, I'm, I'm always very bad at paying attention to the news. And I would say like the past few months, I've been a little bit better, but still pretty bad because I will say that Saturday night, uh, you know, I was at work during the day, came home, we were going for a walk, saw one of my neighbors started talking. And he's like, man, how about all this craziness? And I was like, in Minneapolis? He's like, no, in LA. I was like, what? What's happening? <laughs> well, I, I was going to say, I, yeah. texted, <laughs> I texted, I had the most Chris exchange via text message. So I was texting all my friends in the LA area, just, you know, checking in, making sure everyone's doing okay. You know, texted Woby and I'm like, oh, Chris is out in Whittier. He's fine. I'm like, I'll just check in. I, I have like, I was sent a text. I'm like, Hey man, how you doing? You know, everything cool. And, like, <laughs> and yep. Chris was like, oh, why? <laughs> uh, why? What's going on, man? <laughs> and I just had this vision because I just, I wasn't going to text him, but I had this He's vision. He's like, yeah, these planes are great. Don't worry, man. Yeah. I've got a lot of coffee. Actually, no, he doesn't have any coffee. He's just yeah. got a lot of like fortitude. Yeah. I just had this vision of Chris in his workshop with like Beats by Dre, headphones <laughs> on, like sound canceling, just like, you know, dancing around, cutting stuff on his table saw, a little spin move here and there, listening wow. to some music. And then like, meanwhile, like smoke is billowing outside the windows. <laughs> He's I, just like uh, cutting some walnut. And <laughs> <laughs> I told Ben what I, what I tell anybody that inquires about that kind of stuff, which is Whittier is like 15 miles away from LA, but worlds apart. Yeah. That's okay. as, as well as I can say that. It kind of feels that way. I mean, the, the, the difference between being in downtown LA or being in, in Whittier, Whittier could be anywhere. It yeah. really could just be anywhere. Yeah, you can go up to a hill and see LA, but mm-hmm. other than that, it doesn't feel like it's in LA. Yeah, it's pretty great though. It's got all the benefits in terms of weather and stuff. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a Whittier fan. You got that I'm little a big downtown fan of kind of area. I actually think those areas in the future are going to become more and more desirable than like the real dense city parts because there's still. Why? I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's well, like, especially if uh, like, you know. They like already d- are desirable, I think, to like, obviously, as you get more into like your 30s and 40s. Right. I mean, with, I mean, if I had to guess like what the, the big lasting change that we'll look back at in 10 years from coronavirus is probably going to be a lot more telecommuting. So then obviously it makes less of a need to be in the city for younger people as well. So, I mean, that could help spur on the popularity. Yeah. Yeah, man. But Plus, being not from L.A. or New York City and going there makes me realize it's such an awesome place to visit. But living in somewhere where you've got a little bit more room to spread out really is something, you know, it's like you take it for granted when you're young and when you're from the suburbs. Yeah. But whenever you're, you're you know, crammed in for a little while and then you get, get the chance to kind of get some, get some space and get some air again, it really is great. Especially yeah. doing the stuff that we're into. I mean, like if you, Mike, you were what, 18, 19 or whatever, when you started doing all this stuff, like mm-hmm. where would you possibly have had the money to like get into a space if you were in a big city? Exactly. Yeah. So it just like makes things like that so much more challenging. Well, speaking of spaces, one of my buddies is, he's starting like a new kind of tech startup that sort of involves like aerospace kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. they got some like research grants and stuff like that from the government to develop some sort of you know, weird technology. 
And they rented an airplane hangar to set up their office and their kind of like testing build facility. How uh, big? Like how many square feet are we talking? Five thousand square feet for about two thousand a month. Well, also how okay? How well, high we, is it? Because that's an yes, airplane. That's what I wanted like, to know. It's like yeah. twenty foot ceilings. It's really high. Oh, I would have thought even higher. Yeah. Oh wow! So this is like ten thousand cubic feet. I'm kidding. I don't know. Good <laughs> yeah. math. Good math. So like, so, 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 okay. You could put so like a, in terms like a of small like Learjet kind of thing in there. That's what I was going to ask. So it's like bigger than a prop plane. Yeah, but you could fit like a real private in yeah. there. A little. Wait, PJ. how many square feet did you say? Five thousand. Five thousand. That's pretty cool, man. Yeah, and it's like I was like, ooh, where's it? You get air conditioning. It's in the Mojave Desert, uh, one of the small airports, so that's why it's so cheap. Yeah, air conditioning, and then like plus a they small got those big doors that an airplane. Yeah. My bad. I was going to say they've also got that big door that an airplane can fit through. So you can really open that puppy up. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I I got somewhere I have a whole bunch of like metal building websites like bookmarked Mm -hmm. (laughs) and sort of looked out. Every every once in a while, I keep checking them out and stuff. One one of these days, I'm going to pull it It, off. It's going to be the bug out location. Okay. Let's just, let's just think. Okay. Say you did build a hangar house, right? Would you build it as like a house within a hangar so that like for things like HVAC and all that kind of stuff, you're not like trying to control, as Mike said, 10,000 cubic feet? Yeah, that would be the move. (laughs) I've, I've, I've thought about that a few times. I think, you know, now I'm pretty committed to just building a big ranch house with a three or four car garage workshop. And I just think that's going to be the most well-rounded home base for me. So in, in the process of working on that, but you know, just so we don't have any like math people yelling at their uh, radio or their stereos right now. Hang on, is it a, is it like a hundred thousand? Well, if it was feet? ten thousand, that would mean that the the ceiling was two feet high. Yeah, so it's a hundred thousand, isn't it? Yeah, if it was twenty. I mean, for math in my head, I got as close. pretty good. You got the right numbers. Only, I you mean, just missed a zero. I mean, I was basically a hundred thousand away, you know, but <laughs> it was only one digit away. So yeah. that's what I want to focus on. It's you just one job. zero. You did a good yeah. job. Sorry, Ben, I interrupted. Oh, yeah, yeah, That's yeah, also yeah. what happens when I don't have enough money for things. I'm like, well, just imagine there's one more zero and I'm right. You know, <laughs> boom, <laughs> 10 X'd it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so what's next on the bus? What's next on the bus is all the holding tanks. I got to install black water and gray water holding tanks that way. What does that mean? All right. So gray water, goes. gray water is your shower clean, water. dirty water. That's comes. That's what comes out like of the dishes? sinks and out of the shower. Yeah. Okay. But your black water. Dun, dun. They that should is, call it brown uh, water. They should absolutely call it brown water. They should water. call it chunky water. <laughs> <laughs> they need to call it black gravy. You just call it stew. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm wondering is, okay, so there's two ways that this could go. One, it should just be brown Shitty. water. Or if once it's in the tank for long enough, it turns into like black tar. And if that's the case, I want no part of it, man. Ugh. But anyways, so, so you yeah, make it easy to access from the outside. <laughs> like if something goes wrong. Yes. So it's, are you going to be guess, nervous when you drop the first deuce in there? No, because I'm going to just test everything with water first. Yeah. But I, I mean, big otherwise gummy bears, I that's been. how you test it. Yeah. Ah. The big gummy worms. They're like the kind of the right consistency. What weight. have you been eating? And so, so you know, if the if the gummy bears come out the holding yeah. tank, then they made it the whole trip. Yeah, man, it's it's one of those things where I'm trying to think about the fact that there's going to be poop in this tank, and that I I I don't exactly know how far from the sewage clean out is it's going to be. 
So what happens if it sits in there for like a month or like three weeks? I think you should do it like a parody of Dirty Jobs just for yeah. like the poop episode. Like I think wa- that that's it. Mark okay. Rowe, like really, like really lean into it. Be like, oh, that's, oh, this is disgusting. <laughs> like, that's my question. Like, because yeah. the, like there's a there's a world where it just I, it doesn't even really stay in the tank. It just drains right into the sewage runoff or the sewage uh, cleanout. But if it's got to stay in the tank, man, that's going to be a nightmare. Yeah. But you're right. Okay. Just got to capitalize on it. It's like you swing. It's like a, it's classic marketing. You just got to put a swing on it. Yeah. So yeah. Shout out to All Dirty right. Jobs. That was a good show. Yeah. Micro's the man. Yeah. Great voice. Whew. Yeah. Give us a, give us your micro impression. Say like today on Dirty Jobs. I, I always think of him less as, I always That's think uncanny. of him as the truck commercials. Oh, like oh yeah. Commercials? It was like, so he was for like one of the trucks and then like Dennis Leary was for the other ones. And like Dennis Leary was like more aggressive and like Mike Rowe (laughs) just had a little more baritone. Yeah. That's the, that's the truth. Mike Rowe's got that classic voiceover voice. Yeah. Yeah. What have you guys been uh, watching or obsessed with? Oh man. Oh, I've got one for you guys. Let's hear it. On Hulu. It's an old show. It came on Fox. It's called Last Man on Earth. Oh yeah. The lead is Will Forte. And then it's got, you know, some other people that you've seen as the supporting actors. It's pretty funny. I remember watching a few of the episodes when it came out, but not being too overwhelmed by it. But it is funny that in this show, he's the last man on the earth. He's the last man on earth in the year 2020 where everyone dies of a virus. Really? Yeah. So watch it again and you'll be like, oh, Oh, dang. And also, why are there not memes coming up about this? Yeah. What the heck? I'm not going to be the one posting them, but <laughs> somebody get on that. Yeah, but it's it's still a funny show. I think he's a funny guy. And yeah, man, too much serious stuff going on. Just watch a good lighthearted comedy. You know, I don't know why I just thought about this, but when you said that, I, that you're not going to be the one posting the memes, it made me like trigger back to the discussion about the billboards. And that oh, made yeah. me think like, what if <laughs> like in the 80s, people would just post memes on billboards? <laughs> since there was no internet like well, what it, okay. it had to be like local business memes you know yeah. like well this is what this is what i've been thinking about like so you ever seen that show man in the high castle or heard of the book i've heard of it i've heard yeah. of it yeah right so the, the general premise is if what if like the other side won world war ii what would the world be like now uh yeah mm-hmm. i remember okay so i was thinking of it more though like like you know with with everything that was going on i was thinking about what would it be like if there was like Instagram and s- smartphones during the Civil War, right? Mm-hmm. Or like just one of these like horrific times where just like hundreds of thousands of people are just getting like blown apart, shot, you know, killing people that they might be distantly related to across state lines. Like it would probably make what's happening now seem trivial right? or, or like, you know, everyone had a cell phone that was like in the trenches of like World War II or, or doing, you know, these you know probably way more challenging times and yeah i i guess i try to think of it i I was thinking about that because i was trying to find like a a perspective to kind of feel good about things i'm like yeah you know a a big part of it is that we see more and we see more you know we see more of the bad but yeah previous generations you know did okay even when uh things didn't get seen as much i was thinking about something kind of similar, uh, like right when coronavirus stuff started. So like right when you're like first hearing about the virus and all that stuff. So actually, I shouldn't say that. Not when it first started, when we first started taking it seriously in America. So, you know, like early March or whatever that would have been. And I was thinking, what would it have been like if HIV AIDS 
came around in a time where there was this much fast spread of information, like, would it have helped? Because we would have more quickly realized like, oh, you can't catch it by somebody touching you or breathing on you. Or would it have been like mass panic because it was guaranteed death at the time that if you got it, you died. Mm. I mean, obviously I'm not expecting you guys to answer that question, but a similar thought. Yeah. We've just been thinking about a lot of weird stuff. <laughs> I know. That's the world, man. Yeah, that's yeah. it, man. Because it's like, what's reliable information if it's not vetted? Yeah. 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 Chris, what have you been watching? Nothing. Although I've been telling Dolores that we need to start a new show because it feels like it's like been forever since we've had anything to take our minds off anything. So I don't know if this is a good one. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure the show is good from everything I've heard about it. I think maybe you even talked about it, Ben, but Ozark. Yeah. Ozark's great. But is it, gonna, is it like a bad time to watch it? Like I just, no, do I need no. something happy? No, no. It's weird. Like it, there's, it's a lot of tension and suspense. It's very suspenseful and you're okay. kind of on the edge of your seat. But then it also, you realize, you know, <laughs> you don't have murderous drug cartels after you in your life. And hey, things are so blessing. Bad. <laughs> so that's, cool. uh, I, I haven't been watching anything from the news. I got to go start watching something. Positive some fiction. Happy. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe like a nice nature documentary. Oh, I heard there's like a good like Netflix version of like Planet Earth that's come out hmm. recently. So I was going to check that out. There you go. Either way, guys, we hope you listened and got something out of today's episode. We'll talk about making next week. And if you have any topics, questions, or ideas you think we should talk about, hit us up on Instagram. Your boy. Chris Salamone is at Four Eyes Furniture. Ben Ueda is at Benjamin Ueda. And me, Mike Montgomery, is at Modern Builds. Thanks a lot for listening every week, guys. We do really appreciate it. And until next time, this has been the Modern Maker Podcast. Bye, everybody. Later. Bye. Be nice to people. Amen. <laughs>